Welcome to today's edition of the Daytime Dialogues. It is truly my great pleasure to welcome a friend from a long time ago who continues to be a friend. I was going to say an old friend, but he and I are the same age. So it's a very young friend of mine, Rabbi Menachem Goldberger. Rabbi Goldberger is a very distinguished Rav in Baltimore, and his shul is Congregation to Ferris Yisrael. And he and I started out together at the academy. And as you can tell, both of us took similar paths. We both went into the Rabbonus, and we both decided along the way to appear on today's show. So I thank you, Rabbi Goldberger, for giving me your time, for joining. And I also uh, want to recognize uh, your aunt, Mrs. Goldberg, Sonia Goldberg, who I'm sure is going to be watching this, as well as other members of the family. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Rabbi Matanki. It's really a pleasure to be here, especially with my old, young classmate, Rabbi Matanki. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, really, where I want to start is just a very simple question. I remember when you came to Chicago, Rabbi Goldberger's father was a Rav in Denver, a very distinguished Rav. And uh, Rabbi, Goldberg came, Rabbi Goldberger came, he stayed with his aunt and uncle, and everything was truly uh, wonderful and opportunities across the board be able to be together, but I'm uh, very curious. And that is, we started in uh, the academy together, but we ended up a little bit of a different path. How did you get from our class to where you are today? Okay, now this is just gonna take a couple minutes. It's not a short answer, but I'm gonna try and be as concise as I can. In my days in the academy, and um, I really loved those years at Ida Crown, very special school. Uh, the friendships continue to this day. When I was in my senior year, in addition to all the time I spent on the on the basketball court, which was the majority of my time. I, um, I have to point out that Rabbi Goldberger was not just on the basketball court. He was the star of the basketball team. He would <laughs> deny it, but he was. <laughs> <laughs> so indeed, that's where I spent most of my time. and. During my senior year, Rabbi Hirsch Eisenberg, Zichrona Livracha, was one of my rebbeim, Rabbi Metenki had as well. Um, during the course of that year, I had a lot of religious questions, and I would speak to him outside of class over the course of the senior year. He was very generous uh, with his time and his insight and his uh, very fascinating, moving life as a Holocaust survivor to the shores of America. And he was really helping me to find my own path um, in Yiddishkeit as I was looking um, already at that time in my senior year where I was headed uh, for the future. Um, I had three options. I could go to Eretz Yisrael and go to Yeshiva, which a lot of guys were doing. I could go to university, which a lot of guys were doing. And I could play basketball in college because I had an offer locally in Chicago from Roosevelt University. Um, over the course of that year and my discussions with Rabbi Eisenberg, I decided I need to go to Eretz Yisrael and deepen my understanding of Yiddishkeit. Uh, my parents were very supportive of me going to Israel, and I think we're very happy about that choice. I came back to Denver, and there was a very great Hasidic rabbi and rav in Denver named Rabbi Shlomo Tversky, Zechot Sadik Livrocha 
he was a prominent figure um, in my life, literally from the time I was born. Uh, my father was very close friends with him, back to their days in Chicago, actually, when they were still single. They both ended up in Denver as Rabbanim there. My father used to bring me to Rabbi Tversky's house every Erev Pesach when I was a boy to bake matzahs. And for the years, uh, every, every year we had a chance to see this great person. I always knew in my mind that, that there was something very special there. And I probably would end up someday connecting with him, reconnecting with him on a deeper level. So I came back from Eretz Yisrael and I just knew I had to go see Rabbi Tversky. I was starting to grow in my Yiddishkeit a little bit more so. And when I came to see him, um, it was quite clear to me that this was the beginning of a path that I wanted to take. Uh, over the next couple of years from age um, 18 to age 23, I spent a great deal of time there, learned with him, eventually gravitated to Hasidus and that path in life. I uh, was very attracted by the spiritual depth of Hasidus, by the warmth, uh, by the Nagunim, and in the way it was manifest in him was very broad, very relevant, and very much uh, something I could relate to as an American-born Jew. Uh, the other side of that, of course, is from my own family, being inspired by my father, Rabbi Daniel Goldberger, as Rabbi Lenny said, was a very important and well-loved, highly respected rabbi in Denver. And he had a great deep spirituality to him as well. He was more in the centrist, the religious Zionist, orthodox mode, which is how I grew up. But that still is very much a part of me as well. And I was able to, I think, bridge in many ways, both of those two worlds. And that brings us to my own journey into Hasidus, where eventually I, I found myself uh, very comfortable and hopefully growing uh, specifically within this path of Hasidus represented by Rabbi Shlomo Tversky, Zechut Tzadik Ligracha. And Rabbi Tversky was part of the Tversky family? Of, of Great yes, Rabbi. yes. He was the oldest son of the Milwaukee Rebbe in Milwaukee, Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael Tversky, the oldest of five very famous uh, sons, including Rabbi Michal Tversky in Milwaukee, his nephews, uh, Rabbi Shlomo Tversky's nephews in Chicago, and also um, their grandfather, Rabbi Leibola Tversky, the Hornet Steinfler Rebbe, spent his last years in Chicago as well. I understand he's buried there. And uh, Rabbi Tversky had a strong connection there as well. And most of his brothers also went to the academy. Yes. I don't yes, know, Rabbi I don't know told if, me. if your Rabbi Tversky went, because I think it may have been before the academy was founded. Yes, he went to Torah Vidas. Mm -hmm. uh, for all those years. And then after Torvadas, he went straight to Denver as a very young man, about age 22, when he be, became the Rav there. So in, in 86, your shul started up and they invited you and Bracha to come to be part of the shul. How did, how did that happen? Were the, these Balabatim okay. people who were, uh, who were familiar with Chassidus or was it they heard of you? Or did you beat them in a one-on-one -on -one game in basketball? <laughs> it was the latter. They said, if you beat <laughs> us, you can be our rub. So I did, and that was that. <laughs> uh, this is also a story related to uh, the Tversky family. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Rabbi Sembracha, we were in Denver at the time. I was an assistant rabbi to Rabbi Mussel Tversky, who had taken over for his father after Rabbi Shlomo Tversky passed away. 
I started to look for a stellar a rabbinic position. I was around uh, age 26, 27. And I got a call from Rabbi Michal Tversky in Milwaukee, who we're still very close with. And he said, there's 12 families, 12 mishpachos in Baltimore. They're looking to start a show with has a varmkeit and ruchnias, family-oriented, you know, mishpachti. And they're looking for an, a rabbi and rabbitson to start. They're not going to start without a rabbi and a rabbitson. I thought maybe it would be a good match. So he made the shidduch. And my wife and I went out there, here, to Baltimore in June of 1986. We had a Shabbaton, which was essentially our interview. And they decided to go with me. I decided to go with them. It was a good match. And later that summer, in August of 1986, uh, in Elo, we began the show, Kihilas Tiferes Yisroel, with 12 mishpachos. That was the beginning of our journey here. And it has grown significantly. Uh, thank God. Beautiful Kihila over the years. Uh, we have about 150 mishpachos in our show. And uh, many, many, I have to say hundreds of people have passed through our doors, probably more um, over the years. And a good portion of our membership, uh, we think 40 families, has made Aliyah. Wow. in the past, um, you know, 25 years. And so let's talk about the bridging all of those different divides that people imagine exist within Klal Yisrael. Now, I find it fascinating. There was recently a, um, a friend of mine who lives in Lakewood came across a picture of me um, and she thought that I had just been in Lakewood for an event. And so <laughs> I got a text from her in the morning and saying, uh, you were here and you didn't give a call because the picture of me was with the two Rosh Yeshivas of the Lakewood Yeshiva, Beis Medrash HaGodl. We were sitting together at a table, I with my kippah suga, and they, as they would normally be dressed as Rosh Yeshivas of Beis Medrash HaGodl. And she said, you know, here in Lakewood, people can't imagine that that would happen. And after I explained to her, it wasn't really, it wasn't from now, it was from two years ago, the picture. But I also told her that in Chicago, they don't always imagine it either, because when I was sitting at the table with the two of them, uh, people kept on walking by and taking the picture because they couldn't imagine such a thing. Uh, but I know you've crossed that divide in many ways. Baltimore, while it has a strong yeshivish community, it has also a modern Orthodox community and you're that, you've bridged it. How do, how do you do that? I guess I could say it this way that in a certain way, um, I contain elements of both in my personality. And I gained a great appreciation of religious Zionism going up, going to Camp Mosheva for many years, enjoying that a lot. And for me, even though I didn't feel going into my adult life that that was the style of Yiddishkeit I personally wanted to follow, but I do feel that there's much value in that tremendous love of Eretz Yisroa, some of the breadth of the centrist Orthodox community as well for me is very important in involvement in the world and that kind of awareness. And at the same time, the part of me, which is a, a very deep part of myself, which was attracted to the Ramchal and the Sifrei Hasidus 
very much resonates with that approach to, to Torah. And to me, there's no real stira, there's no real contradiction. I know that as movements, there are stiros, there are differences of opinion regarding Eretz Yisrael and regarding other topics in the Jewish community. There are many points of differences, but I do feel that there's so much good in each one that it's possible to live with both, and I do. Now, of course, in my external appearance and my identity, I've chosen to associate with the quote-unquote uh, Haredi world, and I do. And I've also found, of course, within the Haredi, Haredi world, there's much more nuance than people from the outside necessarily expect. They think it's a monolithic group, and it's not. There's so many different ways and paths within Haredi type of Yiddishkeit, which you can find if a person's looking for that. And I have found the ability, and a lot of that came from Rabbi Twersky, to live what I feel is most important coming from both worlds. And I think because it, both of those things come from inside of me, I probably express both of that as well. And I'm very comfortable uh, going back in each world, addressing people in each world, which I do all the time. And for me, that's just part of the way I live my life. Now, you've also composed nigunim and songs. Where did that, I don't remember you as a composer when we were growing up together. Where did that come from? You know, it's very interesting that you asked that. You know, my parents gave me music lessons when I was very young, like my early elementary years, elementary school, uh, several years of piano lessons. I enjoyed it. I was musical. I sang in the choir at my father's shul on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur uh, with a couple of uh, boys and mainly men. I, I liked that a lot. We still have a lot of funny stories from those years. When I was in high school, I was a, appreciated music, enjoyed music, but it wasn't really part of my life. When I went to a little later on in life, uh, the worlds of Hasidus and, and Rabbi Tversky and what he represented, the nigunim of Hasidus kind of reignited within me the latent uh, musical ability and kind of brought that out. I just started to play the piano again and to compose nigunim and to start to daven a lot from the Yomid when called upon. And it was something that just, I think, blossomed that was there, found its opportunity to express itself uh, within Hasidus and Avodah Hashem. And that's how it came out. It surfaced a little later in life. And in, in the modern Orthodox world, in fact, we just had a program with Rabbi Weinberger, uh, the Eish Kodosh, there is a new, there's a theme what's referred to as neo-Hasidus, uh, where I guess as opposed to some of the, the values that came from, from modernity that you brought into Hasidus, people are trying to bring some Hasidus into modernity. I think it's just two sides of the same coin. What, what does it really add? Like, coming from a place, let's say I'm 
bit more, and I guess uh, even though my background is Hasidic, my great my my great grandparents, but the way I was raised, it's a little bit more of a Litvisha approach, a little colder, let's say. What is what is the Hasidus ad in our day? So I can speak really for myself. Also, uh, Rabbi Matank, I didn't know you had a Hasidish uh, background. I said, now there's another. Yeah, we don't deny it. My <laughs> grandmother used to tell us stories about the, her grandparents having visited the Chernobyl. Wow. Yeah. So that is the Twersky Hasidish, is Chernobyl. Yes. That's the family there. So I think it's, it's really this. What did it add for me? Everybody's different. I'm going to say a few things flavor. It added flavor to my Yiddishkeit. Spiritual depth. Now that's not to mean a person can't have spiritual depth outside of the Hasidic circles. Of course you can. But I'm talking about that kind which specifically specifically comes from Hasidic forum. I'll mention, for example, the Maori Naim, the Kedusha Slevi, the Noam Elimelech, the Besaron, the Balatanya, this kind of, I'm going to put it this way, how is the Torah and the Psukim of the Torah speaking to me as a Jew right now that has very immediate relevancy in my own spiritual world? I got a great deal from that in Hasidus and also from the Ramchal. I think that for Jews nowadays, a good part of that is missing in many circles. This flavor, depth, nuance, spiritual relevance. A lot of people get intellectual relevance from Gomorrah and Halacha. And of course, that is steeped in spirituality. It's Torah, how can it not be? But to bring out other facets in machshava, thought, in regesh, in feeling, in achdus, I find that those things come forward very strongly in Sifrei Hasidus. And I do think that in this generation, a lot of people feel that missing and they are able to get it through different levels of exposure to Hasidus. One example is we can see the great popularity of the Sefer Nesiva Shalom by the Son of Rebbe, Zichon Alivracha, who took Hasidus and put it into contemporary Hebrew organized language and ideas, and it made a tremendous Roshem across the spectrum of Jewish learning. People are starving for this, uh, both teenagers and adults, and they find it there. I think that's what it has to offer. So when you, for example, are preparing a class for your, well, what kind, what kind of shirin, what kind of classes do you give at the shul then? It's a spectrum. We have Gomorrah, we have Halacha, we have Hasidus, we have Hashkafa, and we have uh, Navi. Sometimes we have Parsha Shir, depending on the time of year. And uh, Pirkei Avos as well, if that's relevant in the summer times, uh, we sometimes are able to touch on that too. So how would your Chumash class differ from my Chumash class? So in a certain way, it may not, except for our different personalities. You know, we all inject our personality into the Chumash class. When I teach Chumash, for example, I'm teaching Rashi, the Ramban, 
And I would often go into an Orachaim HaKadosh, which maybe you would or you wouldn't. Orachaim HaKadosh and Hasidus are very similar in many, many ways. I will try and inject something from either the Orachaim HaKadosh or a Midrash or maybe a Hasidish Sefer. I would try and inject that into my class in Chumash. It would primarily if it's a Chumash class or a Parsha class, primarily be Rashi, Ramban, Svorno, Kliyakar. But I'm going to add those other things to make sure that people come away with that dimension of Chumash. If a person is exposed to the Orachayim HaKadosh, it's right there on the page of their Mikros Gedolos, and they learn it for the first time, and that you can see their eyes go like, what? What did he just say? That's, and that's incredible. So that kind of experience I like to try and have people have in their lifetime. And in terms of your work beyond the shul, are, are you involved in any of the schools? Are you able to, to reach out to any of the teenagers or is it just within the shul? I have had Baruch Hashem over the 34, 35 years that we're here um, extensive involvement in the community at large in, in many, many ways. Uh, for example, I've probably spoken in, in all the schools over the course of the years, taught a little bit here and there in some of the schools. There's a local seminary now called the Witz Machon or Yehudis, used to be called Ma'alot. I've been teaching there together with my wife seminary young women for since they opened over 20 years ago. Um, NCSY is something I've had involvement with over the years many, many times, as well as Camp Shorish here, and a lot of involvement with the Associated Jewish Charities Federation on different boards over the years as well, and different connections to different shoals through people we became friendly with. So it's been a very broad experience in Baltimore our main thing is the shul, but Baruch Hashem, our shul is a very open place and really enjoys my own participation in the community at large as well. So then moving it forward, then one more piece. We grew up in the 70s. We went to school together. Um, and we remember those years very, very fondly. Uh, how do you see the high schoolers today compared to when we were in high school, what are they looking for? Are they looking for the same things? Is there are there different things? It's a very different world. It's a very different world. The similarity, I believe, is that there is a spiritual yearning that I see in the teenagers that I associate with. They really want ruchnius. They really do. But the effect of the world of technology and instantaneous type of experiences and phenomenal graphics and all these very sensual experiences that they have, have very much overtaken in many ways their mind. And I think, of course, we all know that there are ways to use technology in a good way, in a positive way, like what we're doing right now. I think it's positive. So, of course, there are. That's not really the point. There, it's a state of mind. It's a frame of mind of the, of the contemporary youth. 
the, the means of communication are so different. And I think what's being left out is the type of uh, connection and people don't have that same kind of connection. So youth today, I think is hard to break through to because if you don't somehow enter the world that they're in, you're gonna be outside of that world. We have to find ways to enter that world in a way which is good and appropriate and be there for them, provide them with what they're looking for to the best of our abilities. But there's a lot of movement and a lot of dramatic shift going on the world so quickly. It's hard, I believe, to tap into that. So but I do, I'm sorry. But how, but how do you, how do you enter the world? Like what's, what's your success with that? Okay, so I, I hope I have success, Bizrash uh, Hashem, I hope so. I always feel it comes down to this, authenticity. You just have to let those teenagers, kids know, you are who you are. This is exactly who I am. I'm gonna put it out there, non-judgmental, accepting, warm, I love you for who you are, and I really do. And this is who I am. I'm not telling you what to do, what you shouldn't do. I'm just telling you what I find to be meaningful. And then I try and express and communicate, uh, if I can, my genuine self to them, my struggles, my questions, what I'm thinking about. If a, if a person is real, if a person comes ac across as real and genuine, that's the way to enter their world. And I think they respect it and they hear it. And when we're working with teenagers, what's the, there was a period of time where we wanted everything. And now as we get a little bit older, we realize we just want the next step. We wanna be able to move them forward in life. If you, have a, if you have a teenager who, a typical American teenager today, where do you want them to be after high school? Do you want, are you want, do you want to be the Rabbi Eisenberg for them to get them to go to yeshiva? Uh, is there something else you're looking for? I think it's crucial that they have the Eretz Yisrael experience. Eretz Yisrael is part of the fabric of the Jewish personality. It's not only a place that we walk in, it's in us. And we all feel that when we go to Eretz Yisrael, we know that we're inside of a land which is inside of us. And that experience is irreplaceable. So if you can have post high school, that time in Eretz Yisrael, to me, that's number one. That's the best place to be and absorb that. Then they'll have to decide where they're going from there. Maybe they'll stay there as a lot of people do. Maybe they'll come back here. But yes, I would like to see that for most. Everybody's different. It doesn't work for everybody, that's for sure. But for most people, I think, yeah, that's the place I'd like to see them go. At the same time, for those who choose to go to mostly university outside of that, to try and connect them to all of the available Jewish resources on campuses so they can have that at their opportunity. The campus life is a lot more complicated and one which we would need a lot more time to talk about. Uh, I often tell parents when I speak with them in my, with my academy hat on, 
that don't think that the university of today where you're sending your children is the university you went to. The world is different, the university life is different, and it's a place where we have to be even more careful over the years. Of, of that, in your kehila, do the families send their children to university? Are they balabatim within the within training world, worlds, worlds where they've had that kind of professional training? Most of the people in our show are professionals, yeah, they're balabatim. And in general, they all send their kids to Eretz Yisrael after high school, uh, different yeshivas and seminaries based on, you know, the family, where they come from. And, they're pretty much all shooting for that and would like to see their kids go to Eretz Yisrael after high school. And the, the large majority, Ruba de Ruba, that is where they go. That's, and that's the great success. And on that note, first of all, I have to say hello to your cousins in Israel, who I understand are probably listening in, Vora, John, etc. I thank them for joining us today. And if they aren't able to see it in person, it'll be on recording on the Kin's website, and also let's not forget Henry and Lisa in Chicago. There we go. Well, <laughs> we'll take care of all of the Goldberger family that we have as part of KINS. Rabbi Goldberger, our time is up. I enjoy so much speaking with you, and we are so very proud that you're one of ours, that we've had the opportunity to have the relationship that you and Bracha, we cherish the friendship, and I thank you for making us look so good. Because you are so good. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Metanke. I, I, I do appreciate so much being here. Uh, I want to say as well that to those of you in Chicago and across the country, that you have a gem of a leader in Rabbi Metanke who does so many things, wears so many hats, and does them all with excellence, and how much we respect and admire what you do. And we, as Rosh Hashem, will continue to share our lives together in many, many ways. Amen. Thank you very, very much for your time, Rabbi. All the best. Have a wonderful day. Bye -bye. Thank you.